0: Like musicals. Anybody like musicals? I, I love musicals. Uh, a great musical, a gr- lot of great music, long running musical, is Fiddler on the Roof. Anybody ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah, great, great, great musical. And uh, Tavia, it's, it's set in the Ukraine during the Bolshevik Revolution era, and Tavia is a dairy farmer. And if you know the story, he's, he's got a rough life as a dairy farmer. And so one day he's leading home his. His uh, his horse going home. He's got to get back for the for the Sabbath, and uh, on his way home, uh, pulling his milk wagon, his horse injures his leg. And if you know the movie, Tavia is just like, oh God! And he so he looks up to heaven after his horse hurts his leg, and he's got to get home. He's got to be home by sundown for the Sabbath. He says, Oh dear God, was that necessary? I mean, did you have to make him lame right before the Sabbath? I mean, that wasn't nice. He says, it's enough you pick on me. You bless me with five daughters and a life of poverty. That's all right. But what have you got against my horse? Really, sometimes I think when things are too quiet up there, you say to yourself, let's see what kind of mischief I can play on my friend Tavia. You guys probably know that feeling. It's like, come on, God. I mean, my life's hard enough for me and things like that. So he gets home. And he finally gets home, and his wife Golda, she starts to gripe about the fact that he's going to be late to light the Sabbath candles. So she's upset that he's not going to be, he's late in lighting the Sabbath candles. And he, 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 he's got to go out and feed the horse, and he insists to Golda. I'm not going to be, I'll, I'll get done with the horse, and I'll be back, I'll light the candle. And he goes to the barn, give his horse a, a drink of water, and he turns out, as he's out in the barn, he looks up to God, and he says, after all, God... With your help I'm starving to death. Oh dear God, you made many many poor people. I realize of course it's no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. So what have you been so what have so what would have been so terrible if I'd had just a small little fortune? And later and later in the movie, he kind of expresses that same idea that, man, Lord is just a struggle. And he later in the movie, he says, I know, I know, we are the chosen people. But once in a while, can't you choose somebody else? You ever feel that way? It's like, come on, God. I mean, it's just like I try to get ahead. It's one step forward, two steps back. I mean can't you pick on somebody else I mean look at that person over there They're doing really great And and, and, you know maybe you've heard stories Of people that have done something wrong And they get off scot free And you're like God I mean come on That wasn't right Why didn't they pay for their crime Or maybe maybe you've ever Have you ever said this to yourself That's not fair Have you ever said that God that's not fair I work really hard and I'm you know barely paying my bills and this person over here I mean good night Kylie Jenner is 21 years old and she just became a billionaire 21 years old the youngest billionaire in the world what has she done and again you're like God that's just not fair or maybe you've heard sometimes after a court case on TV maybe the reporter or somebody maybe when all the talking heads get together say there was a great injustice done today in the courtroom and again the feeling that the person didn't get what they deserved have you ever have you ever found yourself wondering god why do why do bad things happen to good people you ever found that yeah some of y'all you shaking your head or have you ever wondered god why why don't why don 't bad people have bad things happen to them? They seem to be getting off scot free God why why am I struggling i mean i 'm trying i 'm trying to obey you and trying to walk in your word and trying to be a a, a christ follower and, and, and do what and then this person over here is living a life of reprobation and sin, and they 're partying all the time and they they seem to have a great you know they They got a nice house and all that stuff. And why are you doing that? And you know what? Here's the deal. Let's just be honest. When we look in the world, there's a lot of injustice in this world, right? There's a lot of injustice. There was a Presbyterian minister. His name was Elijah Lovejoy. And Elijah Lovejoy witnessed a public lynching. And when he saw the public lynching, he said, this has got to stop. Not going to allow this. I'm going to, everything I can do, I'm going to fight uh, this, this kind of action, this mob action brought against uh, black people and people of color. I'm going to stop. So he, he dedicated this pastor, dedicated his life. To, uh, to printing materials he, he left the pulpit and he began to work at a printing press to print materials to try and do everything he could to stop all these public lynchings and and, and, the, and the people that were doing these lynchings they would come in and they would destroy the presses that he was working at he would, he would find another place to print his material and of course the mob would fall and they would, they would destroy the press and he said this Elijah Lovejoy said this if I compromise they're, they're telling him you need to stop this he said no if I compromise is meant that I should cease for my duty. I cannot make it. I fear God more than I fear man. Crush me if you will and I shall die at my post. And four days later at the hands of an angry mob he was killed because he was standing up for people who were being lynched because of the color of their skin. Then you look at that. I mean here's a man who's fighting for other humans and he's being harassed and ultimately killed and you're wondering God why is that? In fact, to make matters worse, the leader of the mob that killed Elijah Lovejoy was later elected mayor of the town. And you look at that and you say, God, why do you allow those things to happen? Why don't you do something? And maybe sometimes you're, like me, you're confused by God. I mean, why doesn't he zap people? You know, why, why, why does he let bad things happen to good, thing, good people? Or bad people have good things happen to them? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to go to Psalm 73, and we're starting this, doing this series in Psalms, because I love the Psalms, because I think they just talk about life. And the Psalms, the whole Bible does, honestly, but the Psalms are raw. I mean, they are just raw, and this is one of those raw Psalms. Now, this one's not written by David, it's written by Asaph. Now, Asaph was the... One of the three worship leaders at the tabernacle. Of course, David, the temple wasn't built when David was king. And and Asaph was one of the three worship leaders there um, at the tabernacle. He was a Levite by birth. He was a man. Here's the deal. I want you to understand. This is a man who was dedicated to the service of God. He, he spent his days, you know, leading the music in the tabernacle, okay, and, and the, the choirs and, and, and all those things. He, he, he was a man who was dedicated his entire life, born a Levite, to serving God. And yet, here's this man in the ministry who's looking around at the world and saying, I don't get it. Now, let's just jump here. Here's what he says at first first verse. Okay, Psalm 73, verse 1, he says this, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure of heart. Now, we'll just stop the tape there, because that sounds great, right? Oh, man, yeah! You know, okay, Asaph, yep, God is indeed good to Israel, and things like that. And, and again, you know, you might, you might want to fill in the blank, God indeed is good too, and you can fill in, you know, good to me, or God's indeed good to things like that. And there are times when we look around the world and we say, man, God is good, God is good, and all this is great, and my life's going great, and everything's going wonderful, and things like that. But sometimes I wonder if we say that on the outside, but inside we're like dying. Because we're like, oh, God's good, God's wonderful. But on the inside we're like, but I just have so many questions about God. I don't understand what's going on. And Asaph can't hold it in. So he starts off with this great thing. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart, which is true. But then Asaph says, okay, great prelude. I got to get honest here. Look at verse 2. But as for me, so I'm going to bring this down. Okay, I gave you this great prelude, awesome. But as for me, let me just tell you what's going on, on the inside. My feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. In other words, almost gave up on God. And here's why. Verse 4. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And we see that, right? People that have no concern for God, no love for God, and and they're seeming to be millionaires. They're making all this money. He says, I see this. Look at verse 4 they have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed in other words, they get all the food they want, their life seems easy, you don't hear of them being very sick or anything like that, they just, they seem to like have a great life and I'm sitting here and on the one hand I'm standing up saying, God is good to Israel, to the pure in heart, but on the inside I'm like, but I'm looking around and I'm seeing all this stuff going on and the wicked are prospering and they're well fed and their life's easy and, and I'm really struggling here on the inside. And he goes on in verse 5, he says, they are not in trouble like others, they are not afflicted by, like most people. So Asaph's like, okay, I'm standing up and I'm doing the great worship service, but on the inside, I'm really struggling with what's going on on the outside. And you may be that way. You come into church this morning, you sing, but then you walk out those doors, you turn on the TV, and you're like, but I don't get it. I mean, people who are just... Totally reject God, ignore God, don't want to have anything to do with God. They're like living lives of prosperity. They don't seem to be really struggling with much illness. And here I am, I'm struggling. I don't get it. Well, let me give you some realities this morning, if that's you. And if it's not you right now, I guarantee it has been you or will be you. So let me give you some realities. Here it is. Let's just face a fact. God allows injustice now. He does. He does. Let's just be honest. God allows injustice to happen right now in our lives. We see it, right? We see people getting away literally with murder. We've all witnessed those things. We see people getting off with no sentence for a crime that most people would go to jail for the rest of their lives for. We see that. Or some people not even being persecuted for crimes that most of us would go to jail for. God allows injustice now. And here's the reality. Let's just face it. Good things happen to bad people. Okay, I flipped it. Y'all have to think about it. Good things happen... To bad people. It just, it's the reality in which we live in, okay? And, and he's, he's talking about the wicked people. We're talking about people who reject God, people who ignore God, people who mock God. And, and, and that's just the reality. And we could turn on the TV and we can watch award shows and we can see people who mock God, who use God's name in vain, who have no thing for God, and yet they are having great things happen to them. They are living in mansions, multi-millions of dollars. They are having what we would say must be the really, really good life. I mean there are people out there identity theft. Maybe some of y'all have been in that. People out there stealing people's identities, spending all their money. Not their money, but the money of the person they stole their identity, and they're all going living up the good life. There are people who lie and then they cover up and they seem to be getting away with it. People that abuse other people. Some of y'all been in abusive relationships. And that person's never had to face what they've done to you. They seem to have gotten away from it, with it. And the reality is, honestly folks, I'm just being, God allows injustice now and good things happen to bad people. That's the world in which we live. And, and again, uh, and for Asaph, what's really so difficult is he's like, He's struggling with the attitude of these people. If you look at verse 4, he says they have an easy time until they die. I mean, I'm looking around and they're just like floating through life and they're robbing people and they're stealing and they're doing all these things. They don't even seem to suffer and he's really struggling. He says their bodies are well fed. Here's the deal. I mean, back in that day, I mean, food wasn't necessarily as plenty today. I mean, you didn't walk down to the grocery store and buy all you want. All right, after after Sabbath service, you didn't go out and get a pizza. Okay, it was it was tough back then to eat. And you know what? One sign of wealth is well, you carried an extra, a little bit of extra weight. And he's like, these people, you know, their bodies are well fed, they're 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 stocky and things like that. I mean, obviously they have far more to eat than the rest of us. And he says, and they're not in trouble like others. They don't get sent, they don't go to jail, they don't have to pay for their crimes. In verse 5, he says, they're, they're not afflicted like other people, they're just carefree, they just go through life. Good things are happening to bad people, and I'm up here talking, and I'm up here singing, and let's sing together. Good things happen in Israel, but on the inside, I'm dying. Because I'm looking around and I'm saying, "Why God?" And, and whether you like it or not, a lot of wicked people do well in this life. Whether you like it or not, people who are drug dealers, from human standpoint, driving the fancy cars. I remember back in seminary, I was in uh, New Orleans. It was in the summer, and we went. In a heavily crime-ridden neighborhood in New Orleans Um, and there had just been a murder like the night before right there in the streets and I mean we were in we were in the projects it was it was rough and what you saw these fancy cars in the projects and you knew exactly what they were they were drug dealers people driving really nice cars I mean, again, the the houses were just dilapidated and ruined, and yet you have these people selling drugs, getting people on drugs, people destroying their lives, but these guys were making the money. They were making the money, and wow, they just seem to be doing okay, and our culture worships, quite frankly, the bad boy image, doesn't it? I mean, we get, the movies are all about the bad boy. About the the, the the drug runner, the fancy cars and things like that. You know, we see rock stars. They're living in immorality, you know, they're sleeping with everybody and and you know they're driving around these fancy limousines and they're and they got all the money in the world and expensive jewels and multi-million dollar mansions, and we see people who, you know, we watch shows about the rich and the famous, and these people then, you know, you find out though they live highly immoral lives and yet they got these big things, and and you're asking yourself, why God, why? And the reality is in this life let's just accept the fact good things happen to bad people it's just the reality and we ask God why do you why do you let that missionary who's going out there and slaving away and struggling day and night can't barely pay their bills why don't they prosper God why why is that person that loves you and serves you and and does everything and yet they get struck down with a disease and they go through years of suffering why God Do you allow that to happen? The reality is many people, many wicked people seem to quite frankly have it made. Look at the actions. Look at verse 6. Look at their actions. Therefore pride is their necklace. They're proud. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They do whatever they want to do. They mock, and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. You know, don't you mess with me. I'll lock you up. I'll take care of you. I mean, you, you. they set their mouths against heaven, and their tongues strut across the earth. They, they, don't, they, they use God's name in vain. They shake their fists at God. They don't care about God. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. In fact, Asaph says, here's the deal. A lot of God's people are looking at the wicked and saying, hey, why am I following God? My life stinks right now. I'm having a difficult time. I'll just go down that road. And there's a lot of people who say, forget God, forget church, forget all this stuff. I'm just going to go party up like them. I'm going to go there. I hope so if I have to cheat a little bit, if I have to lie a little bit, if I have to do some things that are little illegal, I want the party life. The wicked say, how does God know? Does the Most High know everything? I mean, if there's a God, why didn't he do something about me? All right? I'm doing all right. Look at that old missionary over there. He's barely able to make it in life. Come on, God. I mean, here's the reality. I'm just going to be honest. God allows injustice to happen right now. And here's something else I've learned. God doesn't zap people. He doesn't. You've all probably heard stories of the college professors. You know, if God is there, why don't He just strike me dead now? Nothing happens. See, there is no God. God doesn't do that. God doesn't go around zapping people. Frederick Nietzsche was an atheist. And uh, he wrote a, a, a poem called uh, The Parable of the Madman. And here, here's how that parable went. And it really shook the world when he wrote it, and it's still today. Here is his little poem, parts of it. There was a man who lit a lamp in the bright morning and went to the marketplace and started shouting, I seek God, I seek God. There were many among those standing there who didn't believe in God, so he made them laugh. Is God lost? One of them said. Has he gone astray like a child? Said another. Or is he hiding? Has he gone on board a ship and immigrated? So they laughed and shouted to one another. As the crowd was mocking God, he jumped off his platform in their midst and looked daggers at them and said, Where is God? I'll tell you, we have killed him, you and I. We all are his killers. But how have we done this? How could we swallow up the sea who gave us the sponge to wipe away the horizon? What will we do as the earth is set from its sun? He, he, here is a saying God is dead. Time Magazine many years ago wrote a column called God is Dead, the Death of God. What was Nietzsche saying? He was saying God, he wasn't saying that God's literally dead. He was saying God's irrelevant. God is irrelevant. And that's the attitude of many people in our culture today. God's irrelevant. If he does exist, doesn't matter. I mean, if you look at the characteristics of the people that reject God, verse 6, pride and arrogance. Verse 7, gluttony and self-indulgence. Verse 8, they mock and oppress people. Verse 9, they mock God verse 10 they challenge god with questions like verse 11 how does god know and where and things like that where is the knowledge of the most high again for a lot of people god's irrelevant churches are irrelevant why do you pray what's the big deal just going through life why do you read the bible i mean come on i mean what you got other things to do and what really perplexed asaph was this reality look at verse 12 He said, look at them. Look at the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase their wealth. I don't get this, God. Look at them. Life's great. You're not zapping any of them. I don't get this. Like I said, remember that mob that killed Elijah Lovejoy who was standing up for people saying, this is wrong that we're lynching other humans? remember the leader of the mob was elected mayor later really I mean that guy led a mob that killed innocent people because their skin was darker and now he's elected mayor seriously God again I'm just going to give you but you got to accept it God allows injustice now let's just Let's just face it. It happens. It happens. And here's the present reality. Believers struggle with this. You probably struggle with it. I've struggled with it at times. I mean, why? And Asaph struggled with it. Look at verse 13. He said, Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? (laughs) I mean... You know, I'm going to the tabernacle. I bring my offerings and and, and all these sacrifices. And am I, you know, doing the ceremonial? Is this just for nothing? I mean, come on, God. I mean, look at these people over here, the Canaanites. I mean, good night. They're just parting it up and they're living in immorality and their lives are great. Am I just doing this for nothing? I mean, come on. He he says, for I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. I mean, my life is not really that great, God. I'm supposed to be your chosen ones. I don't get it. And maybe there's times you go through that. You're like, God, I mean, why do I pray? I mean, really, what's the point? Why, why, do I, why do I read my Bible? I mean, really, what's the point? I mean, why do I, why do I go to church on Sunday morning? I could stay home and sleep in, especially today. What's the point? Why do I, why do I give money in the offering plate? I mean, I could use that money, God. I mean, what's the point? I mean, here is a guy, Asaph. He's a minister of music. He's one of the three worship leaders there in the tabernacle. He's a Levite. He is known as a prophet as well, or as a seer. Or as a, in our context, you would call him Reverend Asaph. Okay, he, he, he was a, a minister, and yet here's this guy who's stumbling and struggling with, he looks around, and I know all of, I, I don't know, maybe you've never struggled with these things. I have. You, you look around, you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Did I purify my hearts for nothing? I mean, I'm afflicted all day long. I just feel punished. And what is the point? Is this really, really worth it? Again, Christian kids. You know, I went to a Christian college for about a year and a half, then I left, went to IU, <laughs> a whole different world. People partying, all that stuff, and thinking. Well, really, what's the big deal? Why not? Christian businessman sees somebody doing unethical business practices, yet that person's making lots of money and seemingly getting ahead, and that Christian businessman says, why not? Or again, you're going to church on Sunday morning, your neighbors are out mowing their yard or working in their yard or sleeping in, and you're tempted to say, well, they're not being zapped. Why not? Why not? A lot of people have walked away from the faith. But the reality is, God allows injustice now. In fact, Asaph, if you've been struggling with that, he knew that feeling. Here's what he said in verse 15. If I had decided to say these things out loud, if I had just blurted out how I'm feeling, I would have betrayed your people. He's like, you know, I, I just, I'm scared to say all this, but this is what's going through my head. I don't understand it. Now, he takes us right up to the edge of the cliff, and I think we've all been there. And maybe you're there now. And somebody's abused you, and yet life seems to be going okay for them. Or you know people that are unethical, and yet they seem to be making tons of money. Or you know people that don't care about God, they mock God, they laugh at God, and they're at home, and their life seems to be going great. And you're struggling. Here's the deal. Asaph turns a corner. He says, yes, it is true. God allows injustice now. Let's just face it, but justice is coming. It is coming. Look at verse 16. When I tried to understand this, it seemed hopeless. I I just couldn't figure this out. Until, here's the hinge. Until I entered God's sanctuary. And then I understood their destiny. It, it just, I, I was trying to understand really what's going on. And the best way I could picture is Asaph's walking along and he's seeing all this injustice and he's, he's just like, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. And then he goes into the tabernacle uh, to, to lead that morning and he stops for a minute and he looks around and he sees the articles of worship and he hears the songs of praise. And Asaph stops and says, wait a minute. It's not all about now. It's about then. And Asaph says, Let me give you a future reality. God will execute justice. Because as he, as he would see the sacrifices being brought in, making atonement for sin, it was all a picture of one day is coming the Messiah. Who will rule and reign on this earth. And as as Asaph's seeing that, and I'm sure as he's thinking about what he knows about the coming Messiah, which wasn't nearly what we know today, but he knew somebody was coming. As he's looking at that, he's saying, okay, it's not now, but it's coming. And the future reality is God will execute justice. Look at verse 18. Indeed, you put them, that's the wicked people, on, in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. This is what's coming. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one walking in a dream from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. So look at what he says. You're going to do this, God. I know you're going to put them on slippery places. You're going to make them fall into ruin. You will despise their image. You're going to be carrying out justice. Yes, right now, life's unjust. I get it. But when I see those sacrifices, the fact they're pointing to the coming Messiah, I know that you will execute justice. Justice is coming. You know, let's just face the reality. For a lot of people, and I have said this a lot, but it just keeps my perspective. For a lot of people, this earth is their heaven. For a lot of people, this earth is their heaven. This is as good as it's ever going to get. Why? Because they reject Christ. This is not my heaven. In fact, to be blunt, as a Christ follower, this is my hell. This is as close to hell I will ever get. This is my hell. This is their heaven. I walk by faith, believing that. But it's not built on a blind faith. It's built on an event called the resurrection of Jesus. For a lot of those people, for those people. And you know, let's just look at all that stuff. And let's just talk about. It. You and I know people or maybe seen people who are multi-millionaires who lose it all. There's a guy in the news right now. I don't know a whole lot about him, but he was a very popular singer back in his day. And now he's broke, as I understand it. Wealth is fleeting. Health is fleeting. Yeah, it, all those people may seem life's going great for them. Here's the deal. You can get in shape. You can get liposuction, tummy tucks, and facelifts, but it's all going to sag eventually. All right? It's all temporary. You can build a big home, and then you get to spend the rest of your life repairing it. Why? Because it's all temporary. You can, you can get that cool car driving around town and somebody hits you in the rear end. It's not so cool anymore. It's all temporary. Listen, I, I love... This world is a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful place, but this is not my heaven. This is their heaven. They can, they can have it. I'm looking forward to a place where there's no r- moths. There's no rust. I'm looking forward to a place where everything's always new. Not fading away. That's what I'm looking forward to. All right? Not there yet, but it's going to happen soon. It's coming by soon. I watched a movie, Lauren, I did last night. It was a, uh, on World War I. Peter Jackson put it out, and they put all the footage of World War One and they colorized it. And I sat there, and I watched that movie and thought, everybody that I see, not only the ones killed in war, but everybody I see is dead. That was a hundred years ago. Even the baby that the soldiers were bouncing on their knees likely is passed away. Again, it's all temporary. It's all fleeting. We don't need to envy the kings and queens because guess what? This is all they got without Christ. We don't need to envy the Hollywood stars because guess what? This is all they got without Christ. You don't need to envy your neighbors because unless they know Christ, this is their heaven. This is all they got. And as Asaph walked in and he saw those sacrifices and he said, okay, and he put everything into perspective. He said, you know what? The wicked are on a slippery slope and justice is coming. They will be destroyed in a moment. They'll be utterly swept away. And notice we're not talking about a slap on the wrist. Asaph's saying, unless these people repent, they're going to a Christless eternity in hell. That's going to be their eternity. I'm going to be in heaven for eternity. They're not. Again, in hell, nobody's going to be famous. Nobody's going to be rich. Nobody's going to be the king or queen. It will be pure torment, separation from the love of God. Asaph says, basically in verse 20, you know what? When God finally sets everything right, the wicked will be like A fantasy, a dream, counterfeits to reality. One day, all this will gone. Yeah, here's the reality. We live in a world in which there's injustice. It's happening right now. And as a believer, you may be struggling with it. It's happening right now. The reality is God doesn't zap people. Okay? That's the world in which we live in. And yet, it is not the final place because justice is coming. So, how do we deal with this? How do we face the injustice we see around us? Now, we have two options. Option one is you can just grow bitter. Look at the text, verse 21. Asaph said this, When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. In other words, Asaph said, you know before I kind of woke up to reality, as I was looking around at all the wickedness and how they seemed to be prospering and very well fed and their lives seemed to be at ease, I actually just got bitter. I I just kind of shut my mind off. I wasn't thinking. And I became bitter towards God. Here's the deal. Some of y'all, I know a lot of folks in this room, maybe people watching my Facebook, you've had a lot of injustice done to you. You've been abused by a, a spouse or an ex-spouse you, 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 you've, you've, you've lost it all because somebody you know did some sort of uh, internet scam on you, stole your identity you've had those things happen some of y'all have had that and you can sit here and you can grow bitter about it you can grow angry and shake your fists, why did you let this happen to me God like Tavia did and the story began at the beginning, you can do that Asaph did it originally I was growing embittered. I just... I was just being stupid. So that's option one. Some of you, maybe right now, you're at that option. I mean, the present reality is God allows injustice now, but God is with us now. God is with us. Here's the second option. You can acknowledge God's work in your life and trust Him. You can grow bitter... Or you can grow better. You can grow bitter by looking around the world and saying, God, why don't you zap these people? Why are these people doing so great? I'm not doing great. You can grow bitter, or you can say, God, you know what? I accept the fact that injustice is happening now. This is not my heaven. What I'm going to do is not focus on them. I'm going to worry about me and about your work in my life. Don't worry about other people. Look at what Asaph says. Asaph says, yet I am always with you. I'm not going to leave you, God. Asaph decides, I was bitter at one point, but now I'm not going to be bitter anymore. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counselor, and afterwards you will take me up in glory. How do we deal with this? Asaph says, who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Look at verse 28. We'll come back to 27. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. So I can tell about all you do. Asaph said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be bitter. I know that justice is coming. I'm just going to focus on my relationship with God. And I know that you are with me, Father. I know that you're my refuge and my strength. I know that you're my portion forever. I'm going to trust you. I know that you hold me by the hand. I know that you will guide me with your counsel. And I know ultimately you're going to take me up into glory. I know ultimately I'm going to heaven. So this is not my final place, okay? I'm just passing through. I like that old song, right? I'm just a passing through. This isn't my home. See, the present reality. So we can can either grow bitter... Or we can acknowledge God's work in our life and trust God. Here's the present reality. God allows injustice now, but here's the reality, believer. God is with us now. And the reality is justice is coming. Justice is coming. There will be a day. In fact, go back to verse 27 that we skipped. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Justice is coming. You know, I told you about Elijah Lovejoy, the Presbyterian minister who saw the public lynching and then left the pulpit and started printing things against how discrimination against people because their skin's a little darker than others. And how a mob would destroy the printing presses and then eventually he said, I am not quitting and eventually he was killed four days after making that statement. I'm not going to keep, I'm going to keep this crusade. And I told you that how one of the leaders of the mob later became the mayor of the city And, and we look at that and we say, this is unjust, this is not right. But when that mob came and killed the Presbyterian minister, Elijah Lovejoy, there was a young man who was deeply moved by that story. He had become elected to the Illinois legislature. Guess what his name was? Abraham Lincoln. And under his leadership, the institution of slavery, the injustice of slavery, was changed. It was abolished. Justice is coming. So here's my question to you today How are you facing injustice in this world? You can grow bitter, like Asaph did for a while, or you can grow better. You and I, why we live in a world in which there's a lot of injustice, we can be like Jesus. We can pray for those who persecute us. We can be willing to give our lives, even. For those who persecute us, we can pray for our enemies. We can share the good news of the gospel. You know what? A lot of people who hurt people are hurting people. We can share the good news of the gospel. A lot of those people, when they get to the top and they have it all, they realize it's empty. We have the good news. We can share the gospel. We can pray for those. For those people who have abused you, those people who have hurt you, pray for them. Show love to them. Even though they don't deserve it. I get it. They do not deserve it. I get it. But you're not. Guess what? I didn't deserve God's love either. (laughs) There's nothing good in me. I didn't deserve Christ dying on the cross for me. And if you're a grace receiver, then you're a grace giver. If you can't give grace, then maybe you've never received grace. How do we face injustice? We can grow bitter... Or we can grow better. When you see people that seemingly have it all and yet they're living a wicked life, I want to challenge you instead of envying them and being angry about it, to actually have pity on them in your heart. Because this is their heaven, this is all they have. And one day they're going to realize what was the point? So what? I was a billionaire. If that person ends up in eternity separated from God, who cares? And you know what? So what? You may have loved Jesus and you've been poor all your life, but if you wake up in glory and the presence of God for eternity, so what? You are struggling on this earth for a little time, a little blip in time. This is not our heaven. I said for the believer this is as close to hell as you'll get how are you going to deal with injustice let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes father I know that there may be some in this room I know there's some in this room and I know there's some who's watching right now live on Facebook who they have suffered at the hands of wicked people and truth be told some of us have acted or been those wicked people prior to coming to Christ. And there are some, many maybe, who are hurting and are constantly under the barrage of a person who ignores you, mocks you, rejects you. I pray, Lord, that they won't grow bitter, that they won't let that bitterness swallow them up. But Father, they will just Focus on walking with you. Being like Christ. Praying for their enemies. Loving them that persecute them. Father, they will keep their focus not on this earth because it's all temporary, but their focus on what's waiting on them. And Father, I pray that we'll just trust you. We're trusting that justice will come, and we know it will. It's already been proven by the resurrection of our Savior And we now await his return when he will rule and reign on this earth and justice will be done on earth. Father, I pray maybe there's some right now that have just been bitter, that they'll just let it go. Like Asaph, they'll let it go. Maybe there's some watching today who have never responded to Jesus Christ. They know about God, they've been in church, but they've never truly bowed their knee and ask Christ to be their Lord and personal Savior. I pray right now they'll repent of sin and give their heart to Christ. Father, I'm thankful that you don't zap everybody. Father, I thank you that justice is coming and you're being slow right now in bringing that justice so as to give us all that opportunity to repent. You're not willing that anyone should perish but that all should come to repentance. So Father, I pray right now that we won't grow bitter, but we'll acknowledge you and trust you and grow better. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, reality, there's injustice in this world.